0: Basically, working our way through this long portion in John. And it's, this entire portion is the last night of Christ's life. And they, they begin by having you know, communion together. Jesus um, instates that so that they would remember him. And now, for the last little bit, we've been kind of on this hike to the garden where Jesus is going to pray and ultimately be betrayed. And they've been just walking their way, um, having some conversation um, on this little road trip to the garden where Jesus is is going to pray and be betrayed. And instead of playing like slug bug or the alphabet game, uh, Jesus is instead giving them just like a ton of truth, like a bunch of truth bombs, really. I and mean, this is the last night of his life, and he's, he's kind of unloading so much content. And we have the... Like, we're fortunate to be able to take it in small segments week by week, right? They're just standing there, just walking and being um, really just showered with all of this truth and all of this knowledge that Jesus is giving to them. And so uh, we're going to continue today. uh, Verse 4 of chapter 16 through verse 15 is our passage. We're going to read that, and we're going to learn all about the Holy Spirit. Um, this is incredibly important for us to get. Like, it's not of minor significance. It's not like, oh, if you get the Father and the Son, like, you're golden, like, you're good. No, the, the Holy Spirit is equally God. And he has an important role. And I would say the most active role in the Christian's life. So we cannot just say, oh, like oh, that Holy Spirit stuff seems a little bit weird. Uh, like a lot of churches have kind of gone crazy. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to just stand back and just say, like, I believe in it, but I don't really want to get too far into it. Um, that would be um, a serious mistake because the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is the most important element in the Christian's life. Have you ever felt like at times something was missing? Like you tried to do something and, and it just didn't work out? Or you're, you're looking for guidance and it's just not getting it? Or you're um, working hard at a goal and you're just burning out? You know what's missing? It's the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit supplies us with everything that we need as Christians. Everything that we need. So like I you know, brewed some coffee this morning. And uh, if I had forgotten to put the grounds in there, that would just be hot water, right? We said, well, we ran it through a coffee pot. We used the water, right? It's in a coffee cup. Like, why isn't this working? Well, we missed the active ingredient, right? And so for us to like, I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm talking to other Christians. Why isn't this working for me? Well, you're missing the active ingredient, And it's a lot more important than caffeine, right? Some coffee grounds and a little bit of pecan flavor that I like, right? (laughs) It's a lot more important than that. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the active ingredient for your spiritual life, for your spiritual health. Amen? Amen. Jesus is going to make that really clear here. We're going to learn a number of things about the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Him. So let's look at that. We'll begin in verse 4. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Okay. So Jesus is telling them these things because now he is leaving. And specifically, the Holy Spirit is this most important part because if Jesus is gone, we need this helper. We need this helper that we're, we're going to hear about. And then he asks a strange question here, or he makes a strange statement here, that none of them have asked where he is going. And what's interesting is that just earlier in the night, Peter did ask him, where are you going? But you know, there's two ways to ask a question, right? There's two ways to ask any question. One is sincere and one is maybe in a selfish, uh, with a selfish motive. So like when Jesus, when Peter asked that to Jesus, where are you going? He could have been like, seriously, like, where are you going, Jesus? Or it could have been like, where do you think you're going? Right? Those are two very different questions uh, with two very different attitudes. Um, so I believe when Jesus is saying that, he's saying none of you have sincerely asked where I'm going. And even when Peter maybe asked, I think Peter was selfish in his question. He was really concerned about him in that moment. Where, are you, where do you think you're going? You can't abandon us. You can't leave us. Where do you think you're going? Have you ever maybe heard um, someone share something and you're in a spot where you're so self-centered or thinking of self so much that you can't be happy for them, right? Uh, When they start talking about their life, you're immediately thinking about how that affects your life. Or maybe um, they're sharing something that's going on and you're thinking, oh, this is actually going to affect me. You ever had those moments, right? So I think sometimes when we're in conversation with somebody, we're asking them questions. We're not being sincere, and Jesus is pointing that out to the disciples that, hey, you've been talking to me. I've been trying to share this stuff with you for a long time. And you just didn't have a sincere heart when I told you a lot of these things. When you asked a lot of your questions, they weren't sincere. You weren't really looking what was the best. You weren't really looking for um, my will. You were looking for your, out for yourself. You were looking out for yourself. And I think Jesus is calling them out for that. And then he says, um, but I'm going to go away, right? Um, and these things, sorrow has filled your heart. This is sad. Like Think about the, if you had been able to spend three years with the perfect man, right? And he's loving and he's kind and he's wise and he's been teaching you all about life and how life should be lived. And then more than that, you're finding out uh, over this period of time, that he's the son of God. He's God in flesh. This is pretty amazing. You're just probably, as a disciple, overwhelmed at this love and, and knowledge that you're learning from Jesus. And then he's like, hey, I'm, I'm peacing out. Like, I'm going to go away. This is really sad for the disciples, and Jesus knows that. But he's going to send a helper, he says. Let's look at verse 7. One of the hardest verses for any Christian to believe. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It is to your advantage that Jesus leaves the earth. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Especially if you're in, putting yourself in Peter's shoes, if you're putting yourself in John's shoes. Jesus is leaving. Our best friend, our wise counselor, our loving shepherd, our leader, our pastor. He's all of these things to them, and he's leaving. And then Jesus says, it's to your advantage. Do you think that you would have doubted that when he said it? I would have. But it's true. It's to our advantage that I go away, that he goes away. Because he says, if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So this helper is this Holy Spirit. And why it's better, many of you probably have heard, is that Jesus, in his physical form could only be at one place at one time the holy spirit in his spiritual form can be with each of us at all times everywhere right so that's pretty amazing and jesus is saying you can't have it unless i go and if i go you can't have it and it's better so we need to take this in faith that it is better that jesus has gone to heaven with his father and he has sent the helper Some translations here say the advocate, the spirit of truth, to be with us. Here, um, also it says to our advantage. Um, It is to your advantage or our advantage. That word in the Greek is one word. Some translations have translated it as profitable. But it literally means to bring together It literally means to bring together. He's going to bring all things together. He's going to bring us together. So it's advantageous in the sense that, one, the Holy Spirit is going to bring us together in relationship with God the Father. The Holy Spirit is going to bring us together as a body of Christians. So the act, the the profitable nature that the Holy Spirit is bringing is that of unity and closeness. That's the full understanding of that word there. So, what is he going to do in all this? Let's look, verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So we see three specific things he does here um, when he comes. He convicts, he convicts of righteousness, or sorry, of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. So this convicting of sin is for the world. Um, He convicts of sin so that people will ultimately see the error in their ways and turn to him. He convicts us as believers of righteousness so that we will live in a way that is glorifying to the Father. And then he convicts of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So this is an interesting verse. The ruler of this world is a reference to Satan. When God created everything, he put Adam in charge. Adam was the ruler of the world. But when Adam sinned and he fell, he gave this right to rule the world to Satan. And Satan had been the ruler of the world. But Jesus is saying here that in the work that he is about to do, he is judging sin. He is judging what is righteousness, but he is also putting a judgment on the ruler of the world. This is really good news. It means that Jesus is now, today, because of the work he did, the ruler of the world. And we as Christ followers are operating in that authority. So when Jesus left and he gave the great commission, he said, first, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because he conquered the ruler of this world. He judged the ruler of this world. He is the ruler of this world. And we as Christians are walking in that authority. That our savior, our wise counselor, our shepherd, our pastor is the ruler of this world. And what he says goes. He's the king, right? We get to walk in that authority. We get to have that confidence. We get to walk in that victory. I'm excited about that. Jesus has judged the ruler of this world, and his judgment is final, and he now has all authority. Amen? That's awesome. Okay, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I want to pause there. So <laughs> Jesus has said a lot. Like, a lot. But now he's like, you know what? I still have much more to say, but you cannot bear them now. And it makes me curious what else he would have shared here, (laughs) right? Uh, It does. But it's also really relatable. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you know that you were right, but they also were not ready for it, right? And there's sometimes no matter how much you push something on somebody, until they are ready, it's not going to work. And sometimes it's better to put a seed there, right? And then just l- let them let them know for themselves sometimes, right? And it's relatable here. And for ourselves, too, not just us being the all-knowing ones trying to put our knowledge on other people. Sometimes we just aren't ready to hear things, are we? We're just not ready sometimes. Um, and that's okay, because we are weak and we do not um, have this Capacity for knowledge and and wisdom that Jesus has here. So he can't let us know everything because there are some things we can't bear right now. There are some things we're just not ready for. And I think we need to understand that in our relationship with God, specifically in prayer. Sometimes we don't get answers, not because God is mean or cruel, because you're not ready for it. Sometimes the thing that you're praying for and begging God for You're just not ready for it. You can't bear it right now. You need a little more time. Anybody relate to that? And I think we can take confidence if we truly believe that Jesus is the ruler of the world, he is our shepherd, he loves us perfectly, he sends his Holy Spirit to be present with us. If we believe all those things, when he chooses... To not reveal certain things to us, we can trust that it's for our best interest, right? It's really easy to get frustrated with God when we're looking for answers. I've been there a lot of times. I'm frustrated. Lord, why aren't you doing this thing? Why haven't you given me this thing? And it's, I've learned, and this this passage is helping me, (laughs) that sometimes I'm just not ready for what I'm asking. Sometimes I'm just not ready to know. I think that's amazing but let's let's read here verse 13 however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and when he tells you things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you so jesus says here that the Spirit does a continual work of revelation. So there were something specifically for the disciples right here that Jesus was not going to reveal to them. But he said that the Holy Spirit would come, and over time, he's going to be revealing to them all things that Jesus has, all the authority that he has, all the words that Jesus has, the Holy Spirit reveals. And that's how it is in our life. As we grow spiritually, we're in this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is guiding us step by step, day by day, in a process where he's revealing all truth to us. I think that's pretty amazing. He's going to reveal everything to us. So we can trust that the work of the Holy Spirit is the work of guidance, of truth. It's of Uh, Christ's authority and it's for Christ's glory. That's amazing. Verse 15, this is our last verse. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So this is the process of the Holy Spirit taking everything of the Father and of the Son and bringing it to us, declaring it to us. That's pretty amazing. Now, prophetically here, Jesus, in some sense, is, is speaking of the Word of God that was to be written. Um, the Holy Spirit guided the authors of Scripture in writing Scripture, and gave us this. But, more specifically, to each one of us, the Holy Spirit continues to reveal truth to us and guide us and to ultimately work something out in our lives that glorifies Jesus. Now, I do believe that we each specifically can hear from the Holy Spirit. That's really important to know. The Holy Spirit gave us the Word of God, and it is the you know, me- the stick by which we measure everything else, right? It is, it is the guide. It is um, our check and balances. Um, but we all also can specifically hear and individually hear from the Holy Spirit and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, we will never put that above Scripture, though, right? The Holy Spirit's never going to reveal to you something that, he, that contradicts something he already said. He's not going to do that. God doesn't contradict himself. But it's good news to know that the Holy Spirit wants to speak and reveal things to you. So if you want to know things, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Invite the Holy Spirit to guide you. Okay, so looking at this passage, I noticed that there are seven he will statements um, that Jesus makes about the Holy Spirit. The first is he will come. He will convict of sin. He will guide us in truth. He will speak. He will tell. He will glorify. He will take and declare. That could actually be eight, depending on how you look at it. So, He's going to do a lot. And my question to you is if He will come, have you received? If He has convicted of sin, have you repented? If He will guide you in truth, have you followed? If he will speak, have you heard? If he will tell, have you listened? Sometimes there's a difference between hearing and listening, isn't there? If he will glorify, will you participate? And if he will take and declare, will you declare as well? Right? If he's taking and declaring all that the Father has, will we participate that in declaring the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals? Listen, the Holy Spirit is so important for our spiritual health. Like I said at the beginning, it is the active ingredient, and to try to live the Christian life without Him is impossible, and it is pointless. When people talk about dead Christianity, what they're talking about is spiritless Christianity. When people talk about dead churches where they're not living like Jesus, they don't look like Jesus... It's just dead law and religion. You know what they're really identifying is they're missing the active ingredient. It's like making that false pot of coffee, and you're like, man, this this Christian life is terrible. And it's like, well, you're not drinking it. You're drinking hot water, not coffee. There's a big difference. I know you ran it through the church pot and through the Christian life pot, but you were missing the active ingredient. I love coffee so much. Like <laughs> I was trying to wake up this morning. I sat Ryan down, and I was like, I know you want to play with toys, but we're going to have a coffee date. That's what I told her, and we just talked and had coffee, and it was great. She didn't drink coffee. That would be, at that age, probably abuse. Right? Like... My grandma let me drink coffee at eight. Right? I don't know if my parents knew that, but I would go over to my grandma's house and she would give me a cup of coffee, and it wasn't decaf. Uh, That's the age I'm going to let my kids drink coffee, because I I got a good, healthy start at that age. Started the addiction at 8. I'm now 28, 20 years of coffee in my blood. It's awesome. But more importantly, I need the Holy Spirit in my life, running through my veins, empowering me, encouraging me, guiding me, leading me, loving me, forgiving me. Amen? Amen. That's what we need. So Christians, when we talk about like, hey, Christians really shouldn't do that, or hey, you really need to do this. We have to be careful because if we're not, we're going to become dead religion. Now, there are definitely things Christians shouldn't do. And there are definitely things Christians should do. Jesus makes that pretty clear. And the epistles have a lot of do's and don'ts in them. But if we just try to follow them in our flesh, in our ability, on our strength, man, pretty quickly you're going to feel like you're in dead religion, that you're under law. And if we communicate that, hey, you need to do better. You need to try harder. Don't do this. Don't do that. You need to go do this. You need to do that. Pretty soon, we all start to feel like, man, like this, is, this is dead religion. Like I'm not feeling alive. And it's not even that what we're saying is wrong. It's the application that's wrong. When people are struggling with sin or when they're not feeling encouraged or empowered to do the good works that they, they know they should do as Christians, like helping others, loving others, being in their Bible and praying, all those basics, right? Uh, you know why they're not doing it? It's because the Spirit is not moving and flowing through them. Now, we all have the Holy Spirit as a seal for our salvation as believers. When we believe in Christ, we do. That is fact. Like, that's true. But the Bible over and over talks about Christians being filled and filled again and filled again and filled again. And people would go and they would pray when they're having a hard time and they would get filled with the Spirit. And then they would go out in boldness and in strength. And even Jesus, you know how many times it talks about Jesus being filled with the Spirit and the Spirit of God was upon him? Over and over again, actually at every major critical moment, the Spirit of God is even inactive and and moving in Jesus' life. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to operate, we better believe that we do. How did Jesus walk on water? Because he was fully man, yet he was fully God, but he was in a physical frame. How did he walk on water by the Holy Spirit? How did he love perfectly by the Holy Spirit? Whether it was the physical miracles or the spiritual miracles of things like loving your enemies, praying on the cross as these people have beaten him, they've spat in his face, they've torn up his clothes, they've mocked him. And he says, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. How did he do that? By the Holy Spirit. And you better believe that we need the Holy Spirit as well, because Jesus is our example. We need the Holy Spirit. So before we get into the do's and don'ts of Christianity Christianity we need to get into the who of Christianity and the how of Christianity which is all the Holy Spirit. He's working in us, filling us and flowing through us. So if you're struggling, go to the Holy Spirit, not your list of rules. The Holy Spirit when you're when he's active in your life, he will convict of sin, he will convict of righteousness he will declare the ruler the former ruler of this world as judged and defeated he will empower you he will encourage you he will strengthen you he will give you abilities that you don't have we have to go to the holy spirit so do we need to clean up ourselves before we go to the holy spirit before we receive the holy spirit Is the Holy Spirit only found in certain places, like at church? Is the Holy Spirit only found if you've opened up your Bible, lit a candle, <laughs> done a few, like, bows? No. Psalms 139 says, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee to escape your presence? If I were to ascend to heaven, you would be there. If I were to sprawl out in Sheol, there you would be. If I were to fly away on the wings of dawn and settle down on the other side of the sea, he's going to be there. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit is everywhere. So when we talk about Spirit come, he's already here. It's our awareness and us receiving it. The Holy Spirit is already here. He's active and moving throughout the whole world. His presence is everywhere. It's your experience of it, your, you being filled by Him that we're talking about when we say He comes. He's already right here. He's in this room. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of authority, the Spirit of love is here in this room right now. Are you receiving it? Are you connecting with him? Are you being filled with him? That's the real question. So I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing some more songs. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son. And Jesus, you sent your Holy Spirit. And you, by the truth of your word, said it is advantageous for us. It is to our Advantage. It is profitable for us that you sent your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would believe that right now. Lord, I pray the Spirit that is present is also active in our hearts. Lord, I pray that the Spirit that fills the universe would fill us up and overflow. So Holy Spirit, each one of us right now I'm declaring in faith that we receive your spirit right now. We receive a fuller relationship with you. We want more of the Holy Spirit. We are not content, Lord. We are not content with where we've been. We want more of you. Spirit, fill us right now. Each one of us, as we sing these songs fill us up with your Holy Spirit.